My name's Jo Wise, and this is Wise Women, the podcast. In my book, I Am A Woman, I quote a Native American proverb which states that the world will know a thousand years of peace when women have healed their hearts. I believe that one way for women to heal their hearts is to share their stories. Just like in ancient times, when our female ancestors would gather at the full and new moons in tune with their cycles to cleanse their experiences together. On this podcast, I'll be asking women from all walks of life to share their stories. Not only to give a voice to the wisdom they discovered during some of their greatest life challenges, but also to remind you of your deepest wisdom too. This is Wise Women. Sharing stories, sharing wisdom. Born and raised in London, Anna Krantz wrote her first song at age eight and started playing music full-time at the age of 18. She's toured and gigged the London, Nashville and New York music scenes and has collaborated with artists like Ed Sheeran and Cliff Richard, among many others. However, Anna's creativity and her access to that wider field of creativity, which some call the collective unconscious, has and does come with challenges, such as lack of structure, financial considerations, and of course, the moments when it brings up our vulnerabilities, our shadows, or it just simply isn't there. So in this episode of Wise Women, she talks about those challenges, which I hope will inspire other women who sometimes doubt their own creativity. And of course, this podcast wouldn't be complete without hearing one of Anna's songs. So make sure you keep listening right to the end. Hello. Great to speak to you. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. Most of the challenges I've discussed so far on Wise Women are kind of one-off challenges. But today with you, I wanted to discuss the challenge of putting your creativity proudly out into the world, which you've been doing since you were eight, I think, and it's something you're still doing today. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you more about you as an eight-year-old shortly and the first song you wrote, because I know that was very meaningful. But before that, it's worth saying, isn't it, that you had been through quite a significant trauma building up to writing your first song. Yeah, I have been. I don't think at the time I'd I remembered this. I think I'd blocked it out of my memory by that stage. And I think music probably helped me block it out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess that's part of where my creativity stemmed from. And I know you've talked about this trauma in the past, but are you able just to tell us a bit about what happened to you? Yeah, I was uh, sexually abused when I was six. And that went on, I think, for the most part of a summer, like a school holiday kind of period. And I started blocking it out of my memory pretty soon after. And I think I might say it wasn't until you were kind of in your early 20s that those memories started coming back. Yeah, I was 22 when they came back. And it was actually at the same time as I was just about to start recording my first album. And I think the reason they started coming back is I suddenly realized I was going to be spending a lot of time one-on-one working very closely with a man and he was going to be the authority in some ways. And I think it just started triggering all kinds of memories. But what's so interesting, Anna, is I know you've said that, or you think that that trauma hasn't defined you in a negative way. And I think I've actually heard you say that you're grateful for it because it took you inside and you're constantly pulling back the parts of you that were lost in in those moments. Yeah, I really do feel, um, I'm not going to say I'm grateful that it happened because I'm not, that's a very tough one to sort of say, 
with real conviction, mm. but I'm certainly grateful for the process since and the opportunities it's given me to understand myself and to understand human nature and to the curiosity that it gave me to try and look deeper into why these sorts of things happen and 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 the kind of I, I suppose my desire to look deep into things really helps with my songwriting. I suppose this next question is quite deep, but do you think it's necessary to go through a trauma to access those parts of yourself? No, I hope not. I think that would be very unfair. I just think that that's what can happen. And um, so many creative people that I've met or some very self-driven, self-motivated people I've noticed have had a similar sort of trauma. Not everyone, but there does seem to be a, a link there as far as I can see. Mm. I know one of the definitions, for instance, of a, a shaman or a shaman is somebody that's been through a trauma because mm. you're kind of called to go inside exactly what you're saying and, and find that fragmented part of yourself to to help other people, ultimately. Mm. Yeah. I once had um, an acting teacher. I don't act. I just went to acting classes because I thought it would be really interesting and helpful for my performance. And he said to me, that thing that you're ashamed of, this is before he knew what happened to me, he was just very intuitive and brilliant man, he said, that thing that you're ashamed of and that you don't speak about is your gold. And once you access that, that's your gold, that's your magic. Wow. Um, and it was an amazing lesson that stuck with me forever. Well, I actually got chills when you said that as well. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Okay, so let's go back to that eight-year-old. You knew that you were a singer-songwriter from age eight. I know when we had this chat before uh, the interview, when we were talking before the interview, yeah. uh, you told me you used to think inside your head, I am a singer-songwriter. And that's a huge thing for an eight-year-old to think, maybe even say out loud, I am. Do you remember feeling any vulnerability when you started to express what you wanted to be? No. No, because I just I didn't really understand it as a job or as a career or anything it was just that is what i do i just write songs and i sing them <laughs> well, also it's more than that isn't it you say it's what you do it's what you are and even as an eight-year-old as i was saying you were using the words i am this is the point it's what i yeah yes i don't think it's the essence of who i am though i think it's how i express who i am yes yeah perfectly said okay so tell me about this first song it was called mirror wasn't it and oh my goodness for an eight-year-old the lyrics were pretty crazy <laughs> Yeah, um, I probably should have been sent to therapy immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, mean, I mean, crazy is in profound. Yeah, they were kind of. It was. I look in the mirror. What do I see? Something beyond beyond me. Wow. And it was C minor, F minor, and G minor, which at the time I didn't know what chords were. They were just shapes, but they're very sad sounding chords for anyone that doesn't know what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I was trying to dig deep in there somewhere yeah and you when you you talk about this experience you talk about meeting the piano don't you and you just assume that everybody knew what to do when they met a piano you weren't you know nobody showed you to um create that music and you know put those chords together mm. it felt like reuniting when, when i first met the piano and i say i do sort of personify it because it still does feel like my friend Wow. Okay. So I've got so much more to ask you on this subject, by the way, but before we talk more about 
kind of the deeper self-mastery stuff that music has guided you towards. Can you give me a brief run through of your life as a singer songwriter? I know you're a producer as well. And I also know that you lived in Nashville for a while. You've worked with some really big names. But how did this all start for you after kind of the the mirror lyrics? And what have been some of your big landmarks along the way? Well, I left school when, when does everyone leave school? 17? Yeah, about then, 16, 17, yeah. Yeah, and then I went to uni for four hours and decided this was going to be a waste of my time, so I stopped. <laughs> And after four hours at uni, I decided the best thing to do is start just start gigging. You know, rather than talking about writing songs and talking about how the industry works, you know, I'm sure that that might be great for some people, but I just felt like I was being told about an industry from people who weren't in it. Um, I wanted to just get in it immediately, so I just started gigging from about 17 onwards, and. At gigs, then I started networking, you know, meeting other musicians and then meeting their managers and having talks with them. And I'm still networking to this day. I just keep keep going. And I know Nashville was a, a really big thing for you, wasn't it? Because you had to step up your game there. As good as you were in the UK, you realised when you went to this kind of mecca of music, mm-hmm. you had to you had to really perform then, didn't you? Yeah, I always say that they should hold auditions at the airport and <laughs> if you don't pass, they just don't bother coming in because you're just going to want to leave. Um, everyone there is just incredible. It's like a cauldron of the best musicians, I'd say probably in the world, arguably, arguably in the world. And they've just gathered together to either live there or visit frequently and play together and write together. And there's such an incredible atmosphere in the city. I mean, just the minute, personally, I find the minute I land, I'm inspired. So, yeah, it's just an amazing place. And I... I hadn't actually, I didn't grow up knowing about Nashville. I wasn't into country music or anything. But the first time I heard about it was on the Bob Harris show because he, he has a country, I can't remember, I think it's on Thursday nights. Um, and he used to play music from this magical land called Nashville, which I just didn't think I'd ever visit. And then one day my very good friend Lucy Silvers, who now lives there with her husband John, just insisted. She was like, you have to come to Nashville. There's no two ways about it. And so I did, and I fell in love with it. And they say, don't they, if you want to be the best, then be around the best. You know, it's one thing being a tennis player, and for, for instance, and playing somebody that's your standard, but it's a very different thing playing tennis with somebody who's, you know, won Wimbledon, for argument's sake, or other Grand Slams. And I imagine that's the case for you as well, wasn't it? You're around these people and suddenly you were having to up your game. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. If you want to be, be the best, be around the best. I like to surround myself as much as I can with people that I aspire, that have something or are doing something I aspire to and feel um, influenced by. What's it like to be a songwriter and to give your songs away to somebody else to sing? Um... What's it like to be? It's it. Um, it's a really good question. It depends. I try not to get attached to my own songs. I think sometimes if I do make the mistake of getting attached and think, "Well, this is absolutely for me, and no one else can sing it," it can be a bit uncomfortable when someone then interprets it in a different way to how I would have done it. Mm. But I'm learning more and more to kind of just be unattached, and it's actually just a pleasure, especially if some. If someone sings one of my songs brilliantly, then it's just a joy. I mean, it's an honour. But I love it. 
I suppose the song I'm thinking of in particular is Stardust, which if people Google that on YouTube, they'll see you playing that on the piano. Um, and I watch that regularly. Uh, but it's recently been recorded, hasn't it, by Cliff Richard? Mm. Yeah, I think he did an amazing job. Yeah, I loved it. I love his version as well. Mm, really lovely. He messed around with the... Uh, <laughs> so forgive me. So um, he messed around with the melody on the second verse, and I was kind of jealous of his choices. I thought they were brilliant. I wish I'd come up with it. And I think the production is particularly gorgeous in that recording. Yeah, so that was a great moment. And there's something very exciting as well, especially, you know, I wrote Stardust on my own. Again, it was like a private sort of moment. Um, I think I wrote that at four o'clock in the morning. And so to have had that moment to sort of birth this song and then hear someone else, hear a legend, nonetheless, sing it back, it's, it's kind of surreal. It's like, did, did those thoughts come out of my head and how are they now coming out of his mouth and how is it happening and... It's really cool. Well, I promise I've got so many more questions to ask you about that connection in terms of where we get creativity from. So I'm excited for your answers on that. But I did want to touch on your association as well with Ed Sheeran because that's well documented. I know you you opened for him and you've written songs. He slept on your sofa as well, hasn't he? He said I'm actually sitting on the sofa right now. (laughs) Yeah, I should probably put it on eBay at some point. Um, I met Ed when he was, I think, 17, maybe 18, probably about a year before he really broke. And um, his management guy that I've known for a while said, I'm sending you this artist, um, you know, need some, need some songs. This is just something I was, I always have done and was doing at the time. And he turned up and he played me the A-team. And I just thought it was one of the most profound things I'd heard ever. I thought he was just incredible. He certainly didn't need my help writing songs. But we had a great time. Like he, I think we wrote about four songs together within two days. Wow. Um, yeah, it's great. Because it must be quite different. I mean, you touched on this earlier, I think, but it must be so different kind of working on your own in a creative sense and working in a collaboration in a creative sense. Those are very two different things, aren't they? Yeah. And and also collaborating with different people is a different thing. So every, you know, the energy exchange is always different depending on who you're working with. Very occasionally, in fact, it happened recently and I'd forgotten how and how amazing it feels. Very occasionally, I collaborate with someone and it feels very similar to when I'm writing on my own. Mm. And in that, there's not a lot of conversation needed. It's just, it's like two people just saying yes, consistently yes. And suddenly there's a song in the room and, and I don't really know how it really arrived. And that's my favourite kind of co-write. And do you think it's important that before you collaborate with other people creatively, you understand your own creativity? Or do they work in tandem? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I've never thought about this. I think, yeah, it depends on the dynamic. I mean, I, usually when I'm writing with someone, it's either for another artist or it's for that artist. So either I have the artist in the room with me and we're writing for them um in that case it's usually me almost playing the role of therapist and sort of digging deep into where they are in their lives and what matters to them in this moment and then writing a song based on that or I'm writing with someone and it's with an artist in mind very very rarely turn up and say let's write a song for me so I'm very I'm not often maybe never in the position that I put artists through (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't often have someone saying, okay, where are you? What's going on? Let's write about it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Wow, I didn't realise that. So not only are you bringing out your own emotions, I was fascinated there to hear you say that, you know, you can almost become a therapist for the person you're writing for to find out where they are and then translate that into lyrics. Yeah, I mean, sometimes for me, it feels like sit and wait till the song lands in the room. And a great way to do that, to encourage the song into the room, is to just start asking people, how are you? Or often, how's your love life? Because that's always such a good opener. You ask how your love life is and you'll get 25 different types of answers that usually have nothing to do with your love life. Well, one of the, well, the song we're going to play at the end is about your love life, isn't it? And um, I can't wait to play that. Oh, thank you. Okay, so let's get back to the challenge briefly before I come on to some more creativity questions. But I wanted to ask what challenges you faced from your decision even though I know we're saying it wasn't really a decision, it just happened, to be a musician that perhaps you wouldn't have faced had you chosen a nine-to-five job? Oh, God, so much. It's, it's a roller coaster doing what I do, what we do. Um, I, it's hard to say because this is all I've ever known. Mm. You know, It's not like I had a career and gave it up to then become an artist. I did once work as a chef for a while and... That was fun. I suppose the one thing I don't have in my life that I crave and so I create it in other ways is structure because I think no matter how successful a person becomes, there really is no structure as an artist. And that's got its pros and cons, isn't it? Yeah, really, it really does. (laughs) Some days it's great and some days it's like, oh my God, what am I meant to be doing? Yeah, I mean, some days... You know, I, I often, I still, I'm working on it, but I still get freaked out by blank pages in my diary. If there's nothing for more than two days in a row written in my diary, I get, I get anxiety. I have to just create structure. I know a lot of people say that as well. Okay, so that's a really good answer. So structure would have been uh, a challenge. What about, I mean, you touched on their stability. Um, and I would imagine for a lot of musicians, financial stability is a big challenge. Yeah, I mean, it it really can be. You know, when it comes to earning money from songs, you you receive royalties, and they tend to start arriving about nine months after the song has earned those royalties. And you never really know exactly what your royalty statement's going to be, so it can... I mean, I've had some for 79p, this is to make me laugh, um, and then some that are significantly higher than that. So that side of it is, you know, there's a sense of well, where's this going to be coming from? And then it's also an underst- sort of trying to measure success. Well, what does that really mean? Am I successful? Am I, does someone recognising me means that I'm successful? Or does Cliff Richard singing my song mean that I'm successful? There's all those sorts of self-worth questions that come with it. And it's just crazy. I don't recommend it. You don't recommend it, did you say? I'm joking. I think you've got to be slightly crazy to be to to continue. I know so many people have quit. I really do. For me and those friends of mine who are still going, it's it. it I don't think it's a choice. I don't think any of them would say it's a choice. It doesn't no. feel like a choice. No. Okay. So financial stability, the structure. What about things like rejection? Because I imagine that's something that all musicians face as well. Mm. regularly yeah I had um, an A&R guy say you're really great how would you feel about the skinny blonde I don't think he worded it like that but that was the photo he showed me miming 
your songs. Oh, goodness. I mean, what a question. Right, and, and then, you know, there's all sorts of rejection that comes up, and there's, you know, not everyone's going to love what I do, and then others will. I've been dropped by managers over email, well, that's painful. Yeah, there's crazy fans of rejections, but after a while, it just, I don't know, I've, I've got to a place where I just love what I do so much. I'm joking when I was saying I don't recommend it. I love <laughs> what I do. I really, really love every single note that I get to play. I love it. For the rejection after a while, that just becomes my own, I don't know, lesson that I have to work through. It becomes It's become less relevant. Yes. And is there any part of you that, because you're living an unstructured life, as you say, is there any part of you that looks perhaps at your friends who are going through the social structures of life? So, you know, getting a job, getting married, having children, buying a house, all that kind of, um, you know, all those social boxes that get ticked. Do you or do you think musicians in general look at that? And that's another perhaps challenge that's thrown, thrown in the mix. Yeah, I think especially for women in this business, maybe it's less so for if, if someone is just a songwriter, and by just I mean that is solely what they do. They're not, they choose not to be an artist. From what I can see, it's, a, it's an easier choice to then also live a more conventional domestic life mm. because you can make songwriting very nine to five. So that sort of seems to be easier. But yeah, to have a desire to tour the world and sing to people and want a family, which are both, they're both things I want, is very conflicting and confusing and something my friend and I talk about a lot. And we don't really have an answer. I think it's a case of just let life happen and get on with it and just trust, have faith. Yeah, let it unfold. Mm. Okay, well, I've been talking quite a lot about the challenges here, but I also want to talk about the amazingness of creativity. Um, And I heard a spiritual teacher say once that everyone's creative. When we get dressed in the morning, we're being creative by choosing our clothes. The way we decorate our houses is creative. Or the way we arrange a vase of flowers, all forms of creativity. And I'm mindful that we acknowledge that because I hear lots of women say, I'm not creative. And... I think the difference is that there may be a, 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 some, there's a group of women, group of men who perhaps go the extra mile and try to survive solely through their creativity. And that can be a tough journey. But ultimately, what I'm trying to say is everybody's creative, aren't they? Even if they don't write amazing songs or write amazing books or, you know, artists, everybody's still got that ability to be creative, haven't they? Yeah, we're creative creatures. That's, that's, that's how we survive. I mean, every decision that is made throughout the day is a creative decision because there's no right or wrong answer to anything. So then it's just creating decisions the whole time. I just think some people know how to, to share their creativity in a way that affects others. Yes. Yeah. That's and, a brilliant way of putting it. And I think that feel, when, when a person has that, that tends to feel like a calling. And probably, I believe it is a calling. Okay, well, that brings me on to my next question perfectly, because the next question was, where does your creativity come from? Yeah, I think, I don't think I'll ever have an answer. I'm just really grateful that it comes. Where does it come from? It's, that to me is like saying, what is God? Or, you know, what? It, it's such an open-ended question. and I, <laughs> I, I mean, It's collective. I feel like it comes from the collective consciousness through me for the collective it's just one big cycle 
And do you think there are ways where you can access it easier or quicker? So, for instance, I'm thinking of, you know, meditation or maybe even when you sleep. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert once said, you've just got to show up. Creativity comes when you show up. And I really, really resonate with that. I really mm. agree. If I turn up and I sit down, I am going to write a song now. I've got much more chance of writing a song than if I didn't you know, and show up for it. And I think with it, there has to be gratitude. There has to be an element of I'm grateful that I can do this, and then it comes. Yeah. Have you ever lost faith or belief in your creativity? You know, had days or even longer periods of time where you thought, what on earth am I doing? (laughs) Yeah, and it took took me years to um, recognize the pattern, and once I recognized that, I, I now relax into it, and I don't believe that I'll ever struggle with that again because I've understood that actually it just ebbs and flows but when it used to ebb (laughs) I really would go into panic like oh my god I've written my last song and if I'd known that the last song I wrote was my last it (laughs) was terrifying and then I'd just see black and it would just be this is awful and um, now I've noticed that I will go through bursts of creative you know creative month maybe I'm in one at the moment and I've just learned, honour it, just show up as much as possible, write as many songs as possible. It's fantastic. I love it. It's flowing. And it will then stop because I have to live life to fill it up to do more. Otherwise, I'm not going to live life. I'm just going to write the whole time. Yeah, I'm, I'm so pleased you said that because I think a lot of women will relate to that. And I know a lot of the stuff I do is, is write, not songs, but, you know, books. And I've had days where it just hasn't happened. And like you, you know, I go into this real black place. Oh, my God, I can't do anything and how useless I am. And my husband just said to me, do you know what? You're going to have days when it works and days when it doesn't. And on the days when it doesn't work, just don't do anything. And on the days when it does, you know, go for it. And that when he told me that changed everything. Yeah, just relaxes. It's great advice. It's also a case, again, this is where gratitude I find really helps. You've got to get out of your own way because creativity does not come from the brain. Well, sorry, that's that's not what I mean. I think inspiration doesn't come from the brain. Mm. I think then structuring your craft, so like you know, structuring a song once the initial inspiration hits, that's brain. You've got to put some thought into it, like this is the chorus it needs to conclude in a certain way but the inspirational piece it can't come from thought so it's just a case of clear your mind and be grateful and let it let it come when it wants to come um i really don't believe that it's something we need to dig to access or and it's and it's two different things there's inspiration and there's creativity but without inspiration nothing will get written um and i think inspiration is just a case of keep your channel clear it's as simple as that actually yeah no that makes perfect sense it really does and we were talking earlier weren't we about how music kind of has revealed yourself to you Mm. and it does sound like you've used music and your songwriting as a tool for self-mastery is would you say that's true i've used it as a tool for self-mastery yeah, so for argument's sake, if there's emotions that you're having difficulty uh, expressing or processing, you're able to bring them out of yourself, perhaps see them on paper, perhaps even express them musically to help you understand them deeper. That's interesting. 
it's funny. I, I see it actually as I'm very devoted to self-development um, and self-mastery. And I think the reason I am is because I feel that my purpose for being here is to communicate. Mm. And I communicate through song. And I think the more I understand myself and I am able to articulate myself, the more impacting my songs will have the opportunity to be. I don't see it as the other way around, the way you've just put it, but maybe maybe they're interlinked. Yeah, no, I totally get it from what you've just said there. That makes so much sense. Almost, you know, your songs are as deep as you are and vice versa. I suppose so, yeah. I have to really work at them being just uplifting and fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's never come too easily for me. That's something I um, put, try and put myself in that frame of mind at times as well. I think maybe they're uplifting, but, um, you know, the more sort of up-tempo, just kind of happy. But, like, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never written a song like that and would love to be able to just do that. But, you know, I wonder if that's uh, kind of a generational thing, because if you look at the 60s music, so much of 60s music was upbeat, um, up-tempo, you know, um, I'm thinking of Sugar Sugar and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if at this moment of time where we are, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, whether different type of music is being uh, picked up on energetically. Well, yeah, there's that. That's a very good point. I heard someone else once describe it as I catch the song before someone else does. And if I didn't catch that song, the next writer would. And so therefore, I think it's some form of collective consciousness coming through me in any given moment. So then, yeah, it must be being written by what's currently going on in the world in that moment. Yeah. And I do hear what you're saying about kind of the up-tempo stuff, but um, your songs, I'm thinking of Stardust and the one we're going to play at the end of this interview called Old Fashioned Kind. Oh, my goodness, Anna, they are so uplifting. Oh, thank you. That's lovely to hear. Yeah, they really are. And I suppose that's a huge thrill for any songwriter to know that their music is relatable, that somebody else is having those thoughts and feelings, but perhaps they don't have the creativity and the talent to express it in the way that you have. It, I mean, it's, it's always really, really wonderful. In fact, it's, it's the whole point, really, when I hear that a song I've written has touched someone in any way at all. Yeah. So out of everything you've created so far, a lot of stuff, what would you say you're most proud of? Uh, It's always the last song I just wrote, to be completely honest with you. I wrote one two days ago, and at the moment I think it's the best song I've ever written, and I always (laughs) think that. (laughs) And perhaps that's a good thing, because it's always keeping you at your best, isn't it? I, I think that's just called survival. Yeah. And what would you say, because this whole podcast is about sharing wisdom, really. So I'm mindful that there are women listening who, you know, want to use their creativity more. They might not be musicians. They might be artists. They might be writers. You know, however, they're being creative. What would you say to women that are listening to this now? They want to be more creative, but they're struggling with getting their creativity out there and perhaps even, you know, earning an income from it as well is a big consideration for them. How, how would you guide them? What would you say to encourage them? that it has to come authentically from a place of joy. And if it doesn't, if that, if the joy is being interrupted, it won't resonate with people and it won't flow and it will, it certainly won't make any money. And I think the way to access joy is access being a child 
because it's really just playing. And I think that's a very, very sacred thing that takes discipline. I think it takes real discipline to turn up to a session or turn up, you know, if you're an artist and you're a painter, turn up to that canvas and allow yourself to be the child that you were when you first started exploring your own creativity. That has to always remain in my opinion. Mm. You're so right. I think of kind of the stuff that I've, I've put together in the past. It's always come from a place of, you know, feeling really good. Yeah, it does feel good. Even if it's a sad sentiment to the song or, you know, talking the subject is very sad or, you know, anything like that, it's still joyful to create and it's joyful to sing and to, exp- I think, just express, self-expression feels joyful. Yeah, it really does. Anna, oh, my goodness, there's probably another gazillion, gadrillion questions I could ask you, but I'm, mind- I'm mindful that we're we're running out of time. But thank you so much for everything you shared so far and also the wisdom that you've shared about, you know, accessing that creativity. But before you go, I've just got three very quick questions to ask you. Uh, I ask this to all the women that appear on this podcast. And the first of those questions is, which book, and I'm sure you've read many, many books, which book have you gifted the most to other people? So I actually don't read much at all. I've probably read only about five books my entire life. But I listen to about three audiobooks at a time consistently. I always have audiobooks on the go. Wow. So this is a really tough call. You know, I, I do often suggest Brene Brown, um, Darren Greatly, I think it's fantastic, a lot of Wayne Dyer stuff. But at the moment, I've got to say the one that's really impacted me, and this sort of probably a bit of a generic answer at the moment, but it's Michelle Obama's latest book. It's incredible, her biography. Oh, I was just so inspired by it. And it's, it's just such an exciting journey. She talks about entering the White House and that entire experience and then leaving the White House. And, and I mean, what an insight she had. An amazing, amazing, inspiring woman. And what's it called? Do you remember the title? Becoming. It's Becoming. Called. Okay, fantastic. Okay, good answer. Next question. Ideally not a relative, but it can be someone from history, myth, legend, present day. Who is the woman that inspires you the most, most inspirational woman choice for you? Well, she, she might somewhere along the line be a relative because we're both Jewish. I think Barbara Streisand. Oh, wow. Not necessarily, I mean, I, as a singer, she's probably one of the greatest singers I think that's ever lived. But also the fact that she directs her own movies and, you know, she's so she's such a quadruple threat. She's got so many different outlets for her creativity um and i just think she's a powerhouse and a legend and i love her yeah i recently watched uh, i think there's a documentary about her on netflix at the moment is there? Uh, i'm pretty sure there is but oh my goodness or was it bbc2 something like that anyway but um wow what a woman i completely agree i was expecting you to say because i've heard you talk about your inspirations before i was expecting you to say mary black or carol king it must be quite a hard question for you to answer that well, yeah, that's that's in terms of my influences musically. It doesn't see that as two different things. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, sort of a hero because of how they operate through the world and what they've contributed, I think Barbara's definitely up there. Yeah, good old Barbara. Okay, and the final question is um, kind of a song that sums up your challenge. And I'm so thrilled to be able to say that 
on this podcast today we're going to be able to play the song usually i can't because of royalties and we point people in the direction of youtube but the song we're going to play today is one of yours and for this song this is why it's so meaningful as well for our, our chat this song you really had to go back to basics to record it didn't you yes when i was in nashville i had the amazing experience and opportunity to work with all kinds of musicians have them in some of the most incredible recording studios in the world and we had strings on there and every instrument under the sun and there was just no expense spared and it was an amazing kind of kitchen sink production and I loved it. For this album, um, I called it Homework, this EP, I decided to just go right back to where I started. When I was about 15, I had my first Logic was the program that I used to make music on. I had my first computer with Logic on it, and I was recording in my basement. And I decided to make an EP that same way, again, just just for the sake of getting right back to where it all began. So I recorded this in my living room, and it's just me playing the instruments, all of it, and just singing at home alone, uh, doing my own thing. And Anna, the lyrics to this song, honestly, I was listening to them covered in goosebumps and I really when we play this I really hope that people will listen very carefully to the lyrics one of my favorite lines in it is um and the radio is playing the words we've been saying from day one and the angels are laughing and high-fiving over a job well done (laughs) and there's so many little lines like that all through the song that are so clever and I can't really play it Anna without asking you know where where it's come from because it's about you isn't it it is. It's about me and, and my man. Um, we met seven months ago, and within, I mean, it was within about 10, maybe 20 minutes at the most, we were holding hands, and we weren't really sure why that happened. And we just, we've been together ever since. It was just instant, and this song is about that. Okay, well, it's called Old Fashioned Kind. I'm so thrilled to be able to play it on this podcast. And I really hope people do uh, kind of tune into the lyrics as well, because they are just lovely. Anna, thanks for the chat. Before you disappear, if people want to find out more about you and your music and where you're touring and all that kind of stuff, gigging, uh, where should they go? The best place really to find me would be on my Facebook, uh, my music page, which is Anna Krantz Music. So it's facebook.com forward slash Anna Krantz Music. And then any other social media, it's always Anna Krantz music. Good stuff. Thank you so much for the chat and keep in touch. Thank you so much. Like a dream on the scene and we started making plans It was like you knew me You saw through me Then you held my hand And the radio's playing the words we've been saying Day one, and the angels are laughing and high fiving over a job well done. Let the champagne run. There's northern lights dancing 
Fashion kind.